everyone. It is episode 403 of This Is Whole Life, live from Orlando, Florida <laughs> at the Whole Life Church. I don't know why I just did that, but that it just pretty it, great. It yeah, just like felt it. it felt good. Maybe we'll try that Add more that every week. week. Every week. That's a new it's gonna be a new feature here. Of course, we're here going deeper with the message that we are discussing here, and that was already presented last week. And if you swipe up in today's show notes, you can go to our sister podcast, Speaking of Grace, where you can hear that message just in case you missed it and want to know more or what we're referencing in greater detail. Also, we would love your comments, 407-965-1607 or podcast at wholelife.church. And this week, um, our farthest, well, at least for those that checked in, we had some people from all across the U.S. that were worshiping that actually, in our online family, that actually said, hey, I am watching from, uh, and Haas, who was- <laughs> You're full of the sound effects. I know, it's, 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 so maybe that's the thing for today. Haas and his family, you know, Haas is one of yeah. our online worship hosts, they were, in, he said, in Happy Sabbath, WLC family, enjoying today's service from Mayaguez, Puerto Rico. Boom. Nice. And he was in the chat, like, at least all of, it was all of second service. And I'm just like, there you go. You're not, yeah. you're out and about, you're hanging out. Plus, how many people did we talk about this morning in staff meeting that we all knew, like, guests were here? Yeah, yep. Melanie, your parents had guests here. Mm -hmm. Ken, you bumped into a couple, too, didn't you? Wasn't Was that this week, the story you told us this morning, or was that yeah, last week? This is kind of a continuing story. A continuing so yeah, yeah, story. But, but yeah. yes. So there you go. You never know. Actually, I did. Into. Actually, did. Um, yeah, did. I, now that a different story, but yeah, I, we uh, we had a guest here that was uh, moving here. I think from maybe Brazil. Really? Hmm. Yeah. I got an email from someone this week, which no, it was last week. They're going to be moving. I think from Loma Linda. Mm. And they watch every week. And I, man, I wish I'd have written down the name because um, they also listen to the podcast. So you know who you are. You're moving here. Make sure you stop and say hello. <laughs> you yeah, know who you we're, are. Yeah, we're going to need more seats. We're going <laughs> to need more yeah. seats. Yeah, if you could just add another 500 seats, that'd be awesome. Thank you. <laughs> we'll do it. Yeah. Maybe we, is there a way we could put like a second tier? In the center of the worship center, where the people taller. who are really strong just hold up a chair over their head, right? <laughs> Some hammocks or something Ooh. suspended. No, I kind of like that idea. I don't hammocks. I'm, I'm down for that for sure. Well, this weekend I was also really happy that I could help out with Ken's sermon prep. Yeah, no, thanks. From, we appreciate all, that all a lot. Goes to Randy. <laughs> it was just the chuckles with behind. an assist from Melanie. <laughs> Chuckles behind me, sitting in the front row, was so awesome. <laughs> I'm just gonna tell you. And then Tito was like, "Yeah, nobody can get people thinking or cause them to pause quite like you, Randy." And I'm like, ah, "Thanks a lot, no problem. I, I do what I can." But it made it even funnier was if you have not tuned in or subscribed, better yet, to our newsletter, or if you don't follow us on YouTube, you probably haven't seen our 60-ish. With Ken series, which was sixty-ish seconds, right? Maybe we should clarify. Well, that yeah, well, it could be sixty. No, it can't be sixty minutes. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a short. <laughs> and we love our shorts here, according to Stanley, but not so much because he didn't wear shorts. He wore pants. That's another story for another time. Anyway, <laughs> so squirrel. confused. That was a squirrel <laughs> moment. <laughs> Ken, this so week, just I, I'm sorry. You cannot you just go past I can't leave that, that without okay. no. <laughs> So, for those of you who are listening, Ken Wetmore here, by the way. Ken Wetmore. Melanie over uh, in the Melanie. corner. There we in go. Here, Melanie. All right. And then Randy. He already, yeah. I think you already said he was well, Randy. Yeah. We did now. But anyway, point being, <laughs> uh, we have staff meetings on Tuesdays, and 
that's usually happens prior to recording this. So uh, Stanley was saying that he got to be a judge <laughs> for a film festival, a shorts film and festival. And it's called, literally called Love Your Shorts. Love mm-hmm. Your Shorts. So yeah. anyway, so that's, that's you, the reference. Now, you, now you're in on the inside story there. And if you love shorts, talk to Stanley. Maybe short movies, probably not shorts to pants. Jorts? I mean, we could go back. I think they're making a comeback, don't you think? <laughs> I have I no idea. I don't know what that is. You don't know what jorts are? No. Okay. Now, if you all go go to the internet, go to your favorite web browser or your like search engine. These like clam diggers? Is that, is that what they are? I don't know. Maybe. It could be. It sounds close. Like, like thigh high type or like the... Well, the the, the first re- one of the references that people love to use calf, if, if, you're an, thigh, if you're calf. an NFL fan is go to Brett Favre. Getting the call, you can look it up online, when he got the call that he was drafted, and in his, he was hanging out in Keele, Mississippi with the family, and on, he's got a set of jean shorts with the roll on them, and so oh, they get their jorts, their jean shorts. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So I really feel like I've seen the, kind of the jorts coming back, which is a little bit scary I to feel me. a little embarrassed that I didn't know that as somebody who grew up in the South. <laughs> well... So. You know, it was all over though. It was. Oh, it was. Know, yeah, no, 100%. Was, yeah. it comes back about every thirty years. I, think. I know. I've seen a lot of acid washed jeans lately too, with holes <laughs> oh, in the no. knees, and I'm like, wow. Oh, you know, dust 90. off some banana clips and leg warmers. And... <laughs> <laughs> you, you bring in the jelly shoes; it's an extra five hundred points. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> oh man, this week when when Ken said, "Man, I'm, I'm going to be talking about socioeconomic differences," I. I was really thinking to myself, wow, that is such a such a minefield. And Ken was really brave at the moment. Was just like, no, man, I think we're going to be okay. This is people are, you know, we and 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 true to whole life. I mean, I, I can see where you're coming from because <laughs> I feel like overall we're pretty open minded and we're pretty willing yeah. to, you know, listen and and maybe go, oh, maybe that maybe that's me or maybe that should be me or. Whatever point we're going for. So I, I can see where the safety came in. But also, there was a lot of mm-hmm going on <laughs> this past week. You can't say that, like, mm-hmm, oh, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So I, I knew you were hitting the right notes just based off of the of what was happening. And then Andrelin confirmed that this morning. I think it was her section <laughs> that was moving into the into those things. But I, I felt In like all we, fairness, there were several sections. There was. Yeah. There was. I felt like this was, I think it was well received. But the whole thing that I guess after listening to the message and just thinking about it over the weekend, like wealth is so much about perspective. Isn't it? Uh, of just like absolute perspective, personal experiences, and I'd even say and indoctrinated with like what you were growing up, like how did your family see money? How did they see themselves? Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you thought that you were poor and then you'd look at it and someone would say, oh yeah, you know, we're, we're poor. And you'd think, they think they're poor? We're like, wow. <laughs> you know, they've got something that for whatever reason your family held in a, maybe a little bit higher value than what they saw it as. And you go, man, they thought they were poor. And like, man, I'll tell you about poor. You know, and you'd have these conversations mm-hmm. almost like a badge of honor. Like, yeah. who's most poor? Yeah. And I think you don't have, you don't hear a whole lot of presidential candidates. <laughs> bragging about how wealthy they grew up, right? It's like yeah. every time you hear from a presidential or any political candidate for that matter, it's, oh, I worked my way up from the bottom and I did this and oh, I did yeah. that. And there's not a whole lot that come along with like, yeah, 
I'm a trust fund baby, and uh, I have really, I mean, I've worked hard, but the truth is, you know, I had a lot of advantages just to be straight up with you. Not many people do that, right? No. And I think the reason is that we all value that it's, it's a funny thing. We don't enjoy yeah. suffering and pain, but we all also understand there's value to it, that there's a value to having accomplished something um from your from from the things that you've done as opposed to just being handed something sure you know and but i don't think most people if you say well i'm doing quite well thank you i work really hard and boy they don't think they're rich man look at what they they're down, you know so if you have the same con- if you have the same conversation as the poor girl, man you don't think you're poor we used to eat rice and beans for breakfast and dinner and that was you know that was only once a week and you know you can almost get away with it but on the other side if you say the opposite if you're like well i you know i'm not wealthy to the point of and sometimes it's very well meaning and it may very well be true to them in how they view it, but you don't get the same pass. Like I'm trying to be humble or I'm just trying to downplay because I'm, you know, I've seen a lot of people get uncomfortable when like clients are like, well, you know, people, people wealthy. And it's like, well, you like even just complimenting as your financial advisor, like, Hey, Ken, you've done a great job. I mean, look at your account 10 years ago and you've been, you've been investing, you've been doing what you're supposed to do. Hang on a second. People get offended by that. Oh no, no, absolutely get offended because really what do you, what do you, I would uh, die for my financial <laughs> advisor to do that. Well, Man, Ken, <laughs> look at what you've done. No, but people seriously would, they worry about, you know, if people know how much money that I invest sure. into my thing sure. or if I've done well, there's there's at times there's guilt over it because, well, I have the knowledge of doing things or I'm trusting you to do it. And someone else may not be either informed enough to do that or trusting enough to do it because they have trust issues because of with money because of the way they were raised. But there's an assumption that is rooted so deep in narratives that, you know, the, the rich people are greedy and poor people are lazy. Yeah. And I have found that to be so not the case in yeah. like almost everyone I've ever I've ever worked with in finances. I mean, I had clients that were on every rung of that scale. The ones that are like, oh, I don't want anyone to know. That, you know, it's like, well, it's just, you know, you and me and payroll, like we're the only ones that know. And maybe your spouse, if you show them your statements, but like nobody else knows. And other people that would work in the, I mean, I had cafeteria workers who had saved like crazy and you wouldn't assume it's like, well, like you mentioned, some people, it depends on what car you have. They took the bus to work Mm -hmm. and they were perfectly perfectly happy and i'm like so in some cases the the things that we assume is like okay you, you're rich you're greedy you're poor maybe you, you know this or that or, or you're really happy because you have you have money but then the other part is i've had so many people that like you go oh they have a huge house and they've got this great car and it's like yeah and they've got the payments the payments and they're they're living they're living more paycheck to paycheck than you are who makes a tenth of that and so part of it when when i guess the part that i've um just kept thinking about was that it really is how how you view it and what you allow society to put on you 
as far as what you think about people that may be more or less affluent as you can see or in in the in the the happy factor or the oh well as soon as i have that i'll be i'll be happy and i i don't think that's i don't think that's any of us but looking across you made the point that god made them both no matter where we fall on the scale whether you're rich or poor god made made all of us you know this thing i didn't really spend a lot of time diving into it but what do you think that means God made them both? Does that mean that God made them as the individual or does that mean that God made one poor and made one rich? Oh man, that's a question. <laughs> I thought I'd throw that out to uh, some smart people and see if they want to touch it. Yeah, well, that's then, podcast that's Melanie? at Whole Life. <laughs> oh, 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 I thought that that's was a great idea. Yeah, that, there that you was, go. I was like, that, what that do you must think? be a Melanie question. <laughs> Um, you know, that's the, man, that's like answering for God. That's like answering for God. I have no idea. But I also think that people that didn't get people like, well, I, I didn't, I didn't grow up with money or I wasn't like you gave the, the three instances of three men in your life who yeah. really gave you good advice. Yeah. Influenced all, me. Yeah. All different. Like they each focused on something different. Like uh, you know, your father-in-law, how to invest, how to how to learn about to buying a business, house, yeah. and being you know. And your dad, like you know, come on, man, it's up Work to you. Hard. Work yep. hard, get it done. Like, we don't expect everyone to yep. hand it out. But then another person, the third one, who was like, look, it's okay to when you need it, it's okay to ask. Yeah. And so to me, I I feel like. The devil uses money. I mean, I've seen this so many times where it'll paralyze people into doing nothing. Mm. Where it's like, oh, man, I, I can't afford to do this. Or oh, I'm doing this, but I don't trust this. Or I don't trust you. Or, And then I, I feel like that just goes back to how we view what God does in all of our lives, whether it's financial or otherwise spiritual. So I think... I think it's the finances are the same thing. Although I would say that from my perspective, after spending that long in the financial services industry where people literally, I mean, you have nurses that are like critical care nurses, physicians who don't know how to write a check. I'm like, how did you make it through medical school? And you, no one taught you how to balance a checkbook. I'm not kidding you. How many people don't know how to balance a checkbook or go online and go, Let's just take this month to next month, last month, and say how much money came in, how much came out. That's your right. Like, isn't there an app for that? There, there probably is. <laughs> there <Yeah>. actually is. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there. I use it. <laughs> I'm sure there must be. But a simple mathematical, like I don't understand that. And so I also think we've done a poor job of helping people understand the concept of money and how to how to like having someone in your life that's going to mentor you to, to do those things. And I know we have yeah. some classes upcoming, but I think, I think God gives us so many tools, but also so many people do not want to talk about money that like I had clients I never, ever saw. Everything was over the phone. I don't want to have that. You know, we've kind of been talking about connecting. It is hard to connect 
when that's the subject matter, because they would just as soon say, I'd like to change my deduction from my paycheck and my, you know, to what's going to my IRA. I want to do this to this. And they would, if they could do anything online versus having to come and actually have you say, Hey, how, you know, have you gotten a raise? Should we be talking about other concepts? You know, are you at a point where you should be a different? And I think all of those things when, and it, it's really those perceptions that we have that keep us from talking to even Hey, God gave you the, like you said, you know, did God make one or the other? Well, God gave you a financial advisor because you work at this job. Like everyone at Advent Health, they've got a financial advisor there. They have a CFP that's available to them. And how many people take advantage of it? I can tell you how many I used to be there. It's not a lot. Yeah. And so I think that's part of it. So Randy, what about, what about these perceptions keeps us from connecting? And what about those perceptions could help us connect? Because oh, you're man. talking about how people perceive themselves, whether they perceive sure. themselves as, as rich or poor, whether they perceive others as rich or poor. And we see all these different variables of possibilities that could happen with with what people have and why or how they have it. But what? how, how does that bring us to the point of figuring out this thing called connection? I Honestly, I mean, my honest opinion is I think a lot of it is just rooted in this the haves and the have nots or the perception of such like i don't feel like if you're not in not personally but i so many like if, if we're not in the same tax bracket and can you touched it on on your message like hey um your neighborhood's a good indicator of you know like you guys might all be in the same tax bracket right because these are what the houses cost and that's usually a pretty good indication if you haven't gotten yourself into deep over a over a house so you kind of feel like oh i might be able to fit in there and I love what you said, what we do here at Whole Life. Like, you know, we don't care necessarily, not that we don't care, but we would rather know you by your first name than your title. Like, hey, I'm Ken the pastor. I don't need to know that you're a physician, although I hope to find that out. But we start from the premise that we're all just equal. We're all here worshiping together. We're here as a family. We're here on a journey together. But that's the hard part to get past because the first question we all ask each other, at least for men, I mean, Melanie, you can maybe tell, maybe go more about how the women, but what do you do? I'm not speaking for all women. <laughs> well, Come on, Melanie. But, but, but men, but men, well, it's the first thing. It's like, oh, what do you, I just, uh, just you yesterday. Know, and I've I really actually, I really try to get away from that. I have, and I realize how much I do that, but I have really, I, I'm really trying hard to find another place to start in my conversations with people. Tell me about yourself. Tell me about the things that matter to you. Tell me about just something other than not because for some people, their careers do define them, sure. but, but I don't know that that's always a healthy thing because careers, when those are what defines us, whether we're doing good at our job or not defines whether we're a good person or worthwhile or have worth, and um, and sometimes, as much as we like to have think we have control over how well we're doing at our work, we don't have as much control as we as maybe we'd like to admit. Yeah. Because the fact of the matter is that you know the the people that work around me have a little bit of control over sure. how I'm doing. The people that work you know who supervise me have some control over how I'm doing, and so. And anyway, my, where I'm running with this is I really love the idea of seeing people for who they are as a person and not just – and sometimes your job is a part of your identity, a part of who you are. But 
I think we've maybe in our American culture made it an outsized um, because in some cultures, the first thing you ask them is, is what's your name? What's your last name? Because that'll tell you, like, for instance, when we lived on Guam, what your last name would tell me a lot about who you were probably and what was going on. If you had certain names, it meant you were part of, uh. of this family that was a very important family in the island. And that would be, that would kind of give you a, a sense of, of that person. And so... Mm. Anyway, different in American culture, we tend to put a lot more emphasis on what a person does, and it's an interesting thing that if if somebody does a job, certain jobs, it isn't always about the amount of money that job makes. Um, sometimes it's it's that's part of the socioeconomic part of it is that there's high status jobs and low status jobs, and and it's not a lot of times it's tied to money, but a lot of times it's not. Uh, and that's one of the things I mentioned with blue collar versus white collar jobs. Right. Well, especially the trades now. And I think that's a change that's been more positive is, you know, now it's like it's hard to find people that, you know, want to go and say, well, maybe college isn't for me. I'm going to go to the trades. I'm going to become a plumber or an electrician who make they make solid, a very money. comfortable living. Right. And great benefits and, and all of that. Whereas like. I graduated high school in 1990, <laughs> and back then it was like, if you're not going to college, you're a bum. Yep. Like, everyone's going to college, and that's the thing to do. And I, th I feel like we're moving away from that a little bit. Mm -hmm. But like, if I get on an airplane and I sit next to somebody and, and they want to strike up a conversation, I know the first question that they're going to ask yeah. is, what do you do? Okay. Because it sets the tone for what then... If you say, you know, I work for a church and it's like, oh, really? Well, we need to do it at church or I'm a, you know, whatever. Or if you say I'm a pastor, so many things I think are immediately set in place. And then for some people that might make them feel uncomfortable that, oh, you work for a church. Well, you don't make any money. Which you know, or you make a, a whole lot of money yeah. depending on which church you work for. But I think what we're I think what we're talking about though are social scripts, sure. because we absorb and we learn what our social scripts are. And so, for example, you know, if you meet someone, um, like if if I meet a man, or I meet a woman, or I meet a child, or I meet an elder person, or I meet someone who's non-binary, there are all these different social scripts that you have in your head of how you're going to interact with this person based on who you perceive them to be. And we have those same social scripts when it comes to money, because of the power factor that's often involved with money. You know, oh, this person makes a lot of money, so I'm not going to talk about this or this or this. You know, you, you have a social script in your head that you will use when you engage with that person. And one of the things that I think is important at whole life is learning how to rewrite those social scripts so that we're engaging with each other on an equal human level instead of the prescribed social scripts that we've inherited from society or from family or from whatever. From what, yeah. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody before you knew who they were, and then after you found out who they were, it changed the way you t you talked to them? I'll give yeah. you for example. Okay, go for um, it. I was on a um, back in the nineties. Uh, I was on a, a flight from Charlotte to L.A. and I got on the flight. I had the whole row to myself and. 
it, they were getting ready to close the doors and I was so excited because you know how it is on those, you know, yeah. cross country flights where you mm. can just, you know, lay down and if you have all this, I mean, which rarely happens. Right. And I'm like, I was so excited. And last minute, this last guy in the door, this lady comes running on the, the flight. She's wearing this long flowy dress, this big floppy hat and sunglasses. And I, as soon as she walked on, I knew where she was coming. I knew <laughs> where she was coming. She comes to my seat and she's like, Hey, I think I've got the window. I'm like, yeah, that's great. So, <laughs> of course glad, you do. so glad you do. And so, um, she sits down, she's just the absolute nicest person that we're getting right. You know, Hey, would you like, I've got some gum. You want some gum? Yeah, sure. I'll take some gum. And then the, it, it, this is back when they were still serving meals on flights and they're like, what? Hey, yeah, I know which one we're wow. always good, but we got, we both had ordered a vegetarian meal. So we're, we're like talking away about this and I'm, she's really nice. I'm having a great conversation with her and we're talking about why I'm vegetarian, why she's vegetarian. I get into, you know, that, that being vegetarian is part of, you know, some religious beliefs and things that I have going on. And she's like, well, you know, I, I do it because of animal rights. I haven't found religion to be particularly friendly towards, uh, you know, some of the active activism that I, I think is important. And so I'm having, I've talked about how I met Jesus. I have this whole long conversation with her. I suddenly realize I, I, she hasn't told me much about herself. So, so, uh, so what, what do, do you, you do, do for a living? <laughs> and to which yes. she says, Oh, well, I, you know, I work in, um, in kind of the, uh, the entertainment industry. And, that was and my so first I, I, I start kind of, I was like, Oh yeah. Like, like, what do you do? And she's like, well, I'm an actress. So now I'm like, I'm trying to, anything I've so seen I'm you like, well, no. So I'm like, now I'm thinking like local theater, right? I'm like, you know, oh. what she do? Like local theater, you know, uh, local commercials. So, so like, oh, well, like what kind of, what kind of acting mainly? She goes, mostly television. So now I'm thinking, I'm thinking, oh, are you the person with Tidy Bowl? What commercial have I seen you in? Because <laughs> I'm still so Woman stupid. Woman number three in coffee yeah, yeah, shop. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> and so I, uh. And, and so I said, so anything I may have seen you in. And she looks at me like I am the dumbest man to ever live. And, I mean, it, it was a more a pitying look than like mean or anything. But she looks at me like, who are you? And uh, and and she goes, well, um, have you ever watched Baywatch? <laughs> no. And as soon as she said that, I knew exactly who she was, and it completely changed the conversation for the rest of the So who was it? Um, It was Alexandra Paul, who is Lieutenant Stephanie on the show, and uh, David Hasselhoff's girlfriend on the show, right? So, yeah. So, anyway, so, yeah, so she couldn't have been nicer, just, you know. Alexandra, if you're listening to this, <laughs> that's right. Thank you for that flight. <laughs> you made my, you know, my 20 year old life just so much better by just, I was on a flight. Yeah, I was, and I was actually flying over to New Zealand to be a youth pastor. And that, that got me a year's full of, uh, full of illustrations and cred oh, with all yeah. the teen boys. Those <laughs> oh that you <laughs> We have uh. devolved. <laughs> but no, but see how it changes though. No, like it sure. just immediately changed. And I went from having just a normal conversation with another human being to being like, Oh yeah. Oh, oh you're, yeah. you're the, and I have to think that for, for people in that situation, that I think that if you are on a certain part of the socioeconomic strata, it's very nice 
to be viewed as a human being as, as opposed to, oh, you're an actor. Or, oh, I have this much money or whatever. And I think the same is true in a different part of the socioeconomic strand where it's nice to be looked at and like, well, you're, well, you have stuff that, you know, you're smart. You have things that's worth hearing it doesn't matter that you're over on this end yeah um you know your your opinion is just as as important but too many times as soon as we know that somebody does this for a living or makes this amount of money or makes not that amount of money or whatever we start talking to them differently we start giving more or less value to them than we would have just given them if just on the merit of sitting next to them in a plane seat and just having a regular conversation yeah. with a person. And and I think that that's also can be what keeps us from making the connection in the first place is, oh, Alexandra Paul would never be interested in, you know, pimply faced 20 year old Ken as having a conversation with Ken. But Alexandra Paul was interested in the conversation. She she was very nice about it. Mm. Um, you know, she she shared some things about herself. She shared some things that were going on, and it was it was really interesting to have that conversation with her. And in some ways, I wish maybe I'd never really even realized it. Who no, was? that's not true. But <laughs> but the, but but the thing was, we oftentimes either don't take the opportunity to connect with somebody because we assume that they aren't interested in us or we assume that we wouldn't be interested in them, that they don't have anything really to offer in the way, in, in the way of something that we might be interested in or the conversation. And so, you know, I think that is one of the things that we hope at whole life to do is to say, look, every single person at this church has immense value, every single person. And every single person has something that can add to your life, that can that can bring something beautiful into your life. And sometimes it takes a little bit of, of seeking to, to, to figure out what that is, but there really is something that every single person can, can really teach you and that can be an opportunity for you to grow. Um, and there, and so, and the fact of the matter is, is that each one of us has ways that we can help another yeah. person, no matter where they are on that socioeconomic, you know, uh, on the yeah. scale of things. And yeah. so, and I think that sometimes, like I said, we just get, we get in our own head and think, oh, that person would never. Right. You know, it's, it's one of the things that I hear as a pastor so often, oh, I just didn't want to bother you because I know you're so busy and I appreciate the thought. But also, <laughs> but, you know, sometimes there are times where I wish that the person would have bothered me uh, because it wasn't going to be a bother. I wish that they would have texted me and said, hey, I'm in the hospital. Well, if I can't come visit, I'll, I'll be honest with you about that. But maybe I just drove past the hospital you were in <laughs> and it would have been an easy thing for me to drop by or for me to make sure that there was somebody at the church that could drop by come and by, see yeah. you. And that's that's just one example. But there's so many times where I just think we really sell short the connections that, that are available to us. And we do it because, you know, and it's not just the money. It's also, like I just said, you know, Seventh-day Adventist pastors are, you know, fairly middle class in the socioeconomic scale of things, but will also be put over here as, oh, <laughs> you're the pastor. And, um, <laughs> I shouldn't talk about this around you. I should go ahead and, and, we don't, or I don't, 
I don't want to, oh man, what would Ken think if, if I said, if I, if, yeah. if he came into my house and what, you know, and so again, we, we sometimes miss out on the opportunities that are there for us with people that we just write off as that person would never be interested in me or, or I'm a little bit afraid to have a conversation or sometimes if we're really honest or that person's beneath me, that, mm. that they don't really, there's nothing there. And that's really what I hope to kind of get through this sermon is not about whether it's better to be rich, poor, middle class, not about, you know, any of those things, but the worth of a human being that every human being has worth. And we're not going to have deep connections with every person we run into, Yeah, but we should not walk away from the opportunity to connect with people simply because they may be in a different place socioeconomically than we are. So are there it it seems to me that there are practical questions that arise from that though because there is okay we have the opportunity for connection and we understand that there's possibility for connection but I think that there are other pieces of it pieces of awareness that can hinder or enhance those connections you know for example you you talked about uh, someone that you know that that people regularly ask for money mm-hmm. And that's a really uncomfortable thing for that person who who has a lot of money, but who also gives away a lot of money and people don't know what's happening. Right. Right. Um, And then there are other people who are just so unbelievably oblivious to what they have and the fact that other people don't have it, Mm -hmm. that they end up alienating other people inadvertently by (laughs) by the way that they talk. I knew somebody that I don't know, maybe I don't know if I can tell this. I probably can. It's anonymous enough. I knew someone that was having a a new house built and this person posted something on social media about how stressful it was trying to figure out how they were going to design each one of these, you know, 12 bathrooms or something they had in their house. And, oh, can anyone help like this? It was just this this burden that was on on this person's soul. And I thought, oh, my goodness, are you know, do you have any idea what that sounds like to other people, you know, who, who may be reading it, who are just thankful they have a bathroom, you know, in their house. So I think having an awareness of, of what the way that we come across to people and how that makes other people feel. Can I, can we, can I, um, can we unpack that a little bit further though? Do you think that that was a real burden for that person? Not from where I was sitting. Oh, but, that, but see, that's but that's the interesting part to me. Not from where I'm sitting, because I'm going to guess for that person that was a genuine burden in their life, and maybe, maybe, maybe they were flexing. That that could be. You know, the person I don't. But I do think that sometimes in it, where we really run into some connection issues with people is that people have first world problems that are still first world. There is still a problem for them. It's something that's a that that that's and we are like, oh my! We roll our eyes at them. It's like, well, would that all my problems were yours? Uh, you know, because I wish you would know what this is like. And I think that from from that side of things, I think sometimes. I think we need to, I think to, to the point is that we need to be careful what we're putting out there um, because 
sometimes it can look like flexing, even if that's not the way that we mean it to appear. But I think that on the flip side of things, sometimes we can be a little bit more willing to to not feel jealous and to say, hmm, that's a problem for you. I'm sorry you're feeling that kind of this is such a burden for you. I, does that make sense? Or you, you well, Melanie's like not not buying any of this. Well, I, I will say this: I, uh, some of the clients that I have had that have had money, and again, like Melanie, you you touched on this just a moment ago, that we don't know like what their philanthropy is, right? And so, someone that may have putting in twelve bathrooms, that might be the half. That might be the one room apartment with a half bath, you know, you know, you shower in the sink kind of thing to them in what, like in the money that they have. Now I'm not saying that that doesn't still have a bad optic from the other, from the lower, maybe people below them. But one thing that someone with wealth taught me a long time ago was two things. Never, never steal the joy from somebody who's giving you a gift. So if I have something and I want to give it to you, to say thank you. Don't don't try to steal their joy and be like, "Oh, I don't I don't need your help or I don't need this or, you know, you don't have to do that." Just say, "Wow, that is amazing. Thank you." Like that's one of the biggest things that people that do have they do realize that and they're a giving soul. They just they just want you to be happy. That's why they're offering it to you. Don't 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 go with, you know, strings attached. Even if, even if you knew there were strings attached, just say thank you. And the other part I think is that not not finding I just feel like so much of it is just rooted in especially with social media now that you know everyone puts out their best life living our best life you know doing all these things and I just know from a handful of people that have let me kind of into their into their world helping them with their finances and through some retirement planning different things that while it might be a it could be perceived as a bad optic from somebody who has less the other part is i i've just they've taught i've just learned to cheer for everybody i i want i want the person that you know doesn't have the savvy to do what they need to do they weren't taught that i want them to find that and to be able to not have to have such a worry about i don't know what to do cuz that's a helpless feeling it's another helpless feeling when you feel like I've done everything I know how to do and I'm still not getting it done. That's a helpless feeling. But also for the for so many people that when we look at it and go, yeah, they have so much more than me, you'd be surprised on how little they actually live on. Yeah, they made a great decision and they had the money to do like great real estate in that. Like in, I'm, I, I bought a house with 12 bathrooms in it. I don't use but one of them. But I bought it because it's a really good investment property. And that's a, and I'm just telling you the people that I know that have real money that I've, that I've dealt with professionally, most of them live on a lot less than what most people assume they do. And the people that flash it are usually broke. See, <laughs> and that's just a hard I, and fast I rule. Think, so we, we, have, we have shifted the responsibility to the perceiver. And what I was trying to talk about was a self-awareness no, I, I of understand how that. you project yourself, how they how they perceive you is another conversation, I think. But how you project yourself 
and having an awareness of how you come across no, is, an, is an important thing. I don't think it can be offset by saying, well, you know what, I've got 12 bathrooms and I'm going to talk about my 12 bathrooms with someone who, you know, is, is, you know, living in a tent trailer. You know, I, I think there, I think there is a responsibility of self-awareness to be able to say, Hey, you know what, this is how I come across. But I don't I think, think I, I think I totally agree with that a hundred percent. And, but I don't think that's a direct there, conversation that they're having. That, Either. I mean, who are they talking I think to? That, I think that's one thing that if you're, and, and that's the pro, and that, and, and I think you're, we're hitting right on the issue with the socioeconomic connection is that if, that, and this is the reason why people stay separate. This is why they stay within their tax brackets because the fact of the matter is, is that if I bought a house with 12 bathrooms, don't I have a right to be excited about that? Don't, and don't I want to talk to my friends about, you know, the fact that I'm trying to figure out how to decorate them? Well, I do. Uh, and just as much as the person who bought a house with one bathroom wants to talk to their friends about it. And I know how frustrating that feeling is for the person who's living in a tent, for sure. But that's that gets exactly to the what keeps us from making connection is that it's just easier to not. I'm just going to stay with the people who get me as opposed to going with the people who don't. Right. But you are not going to walk out of a fancy restaurant and tell a homeless person how much you just enjoyed your meal. Right. Probably not. No. Right. So all I'm saying is you might text a friend of yours who is also a you know connoisseur of amazing restaurants and say, hey, this is a great restaurant that I ate at and it was amazing. But you're not going to use that language with someone that you know is hungry and doesn't have any resources. But I would hope that you would also. That's assuming, though, that you're not going to help that person. Right. But that's, again, that's another part of the conversation, right? To me, they're the same in that. If, if you're, and this is something that I, I mean, I, I did at one point in my life too, before being exposed to just so many people that are so generous that I assumed before getting to know them that, oh, well, I don't know why they're complaining. They, they're complaining about how, many, how much they pay in taxes. Well, isn't that a great ha- uh, problem to have when you're, you know, you pay more in taxes than I make in two years. So, let, you know, why are you complaining? But instead of saying, instead of that attitude on my part, and you know, to say, because then I rob them of, man, I didn't, I didn't know that they worked, you know, 70, 80 hours a week and that, you know, they, they've got whatever they've, you know, put themselves together to be in this position to make the money and how much money that they, that they give. They're way more giving than I've ever been. So all I'm saying is that. We, 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 again, the label goes on really, really easy, but at the same time, I would also like, if I'm leaving that restaurant and the homeless person's there, I would be like, man, that food was legit. You want, do you, do you need something to eat? Are you, would you like to, would you like to do that? Would you like to go and have a seat? Well, and, and to Melanie's point, I totally understand what you're saying. I I get what you're saying about, you know, being thoughtful about the comments and who you're making them to. Because it is it is very difficult, you know, to hear about a lifestyle that you'd like to have, or that not maybe not even that you'd like to have it. You're like, wow, that <laughs> that's wow, okay, um, you know. And I, I can go back to you know 
with but that's where it, because I, I wouldn't say that to the homeless person that's seen on the side of the road. But what about my my mom and dad or my brother or sister who who I am close to who maybe is in a different economic bracket than I am? And that's the part that I guess I worry about a little bit. I don't know that I have the answer for it, but there's a part of me that thinks that, you know, when I go eat at a really nice restaurant and my sibling, parent, aunt, niece, whatever, that that I'm very close to and that I have conversations with, do I just, do I never say that, you know, this restaurant was good or do I, do I say, hey, I, I went to this amazing restaurant. I'd love to take you there sometime. Well, that's, again, it gets complicated um, because I know with that person, I'm going, if, if we go, I'm going to need to pay for it. That's, that's what needs to happen. Now, how's that going to make them feel when I'm like, no, 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 I'll pick up the check. Um, you know, and that's the part that I think it really comes down to when it comes to this communication and when it comes to, to connecting in different socioeconomic places on that, that strata there is that you, there has to be a, there has to be an assumption of good intent and there has to be a awareness on, on both parts and there has to be communication you know, I do have, um, you know, and I don't, I do have family that are in a, a much different tax bracket than I am, and they're, they're making more. And we've had to have conversations with them about family vacation options and things. It's like, yeah, that would be fun to go do. And, and I know that you can do it. And, and the family have been like, well, we'll pay for it. And I'm like, yeah, I get it. But you know how that makes me feel that every time we go somewhere, you're picking up the check. It makes me feel like I want to do my part too. Yeah. And and so and it's it's a it's an awkward conversation to have. And yet when you love somebody, they've let me know, Ken. It kind of hurts that you're not willing to let, let me, me do yeah. what I'd like to be able to do because I can afford it. It doesn't hurt me, and I promise you I won't do anything that's going to be hurtful to me. But it's still been an awkward, and it still makes me feel a little bit like, oh, man, when when I want to do do certain things and they want to do certain things. and and it that, But that's where, to me, that communication becomes so vital and the honesty. And I've told my family member— Hey, it makes me feel this way when this happens. And my family members said, and it makes me feel this way when you say yeah. this, and it makes me feel that. And it, it's this conversation that has to take place. And I am so grateful for this family member that we've been able to have those conversations and it makes it easier because we are family. So we're not going anywhere. If it was more on a friendship level, it would probably be more difficult yeah, to have probably. that kind of conversation. And yet that's what I'm trying to say is in this sermon is we're part of the family of God. We're all family together. And so these conversations can be really awkward to have, and they yeah. can be very difficult to have. And yet sometimes it's important for us to say, hey, you know, when you're talking about your 12 bathrooms, you know, right now I'm, I'm struggling to, to stay in the one bathroom in the house that I'm in. And I'm, I'm, 
I'm really trying to be happy for you in, in the problem that you're facing. And again, this isn't a conversation you're going to have with the person you just met. Yeah, no. Uh, but but <clears throat> in a relationship that you've developed and started off on, that you're somewhere, it would be great if in the family of God we could get to a place where we could have kind conversations that aren't easy conversations, kind of going back to the Crucial Conversations book that, you know, is talked about a lot. But just having these conversations with people and saying, hey, this is... You're, having a relationship with you is really important to me, and and to keep that keep our relationship open and going. There's some things we probably need to talk about a little bit here. Well, when you add the family dynamic to it, now you're throwing in the whole. That's the whole nine yards, then, because not only is it uncomfortable, but also when it may not be just that you make more money than me, you don't agree with my professional choices, how I've chosen to raise my family, and you think you may think that I don't care about my kids as much as you do because my kids don't have what your kids have, or you know, you choose different ways that you live your life, yeah. and knowing that there are financial. And like, well, you brought this on yourself because this is what you, this yeah. is how you do things. So I, I get that part too. And I, for me, the only way that it really works, just as, and this is just me personally, is I want to help if someone's, you know, if someone's sitting outside the restaurant, um, we actually just almost got thrown out of a Waffle House for buying somebody breakfast in Daytona because he was clearly he had some some problems and he was drunk and we brought him in and put him at our table. And my wife was like, what are you doing? <laughs> and I'm like, because they won't let him come in the restaurant. And so they were going to I'm like, look, I will take the food out to do this right like in that scenario like i want everyone to win and i just man i I cheer when people do well because i'm excited that you're doing well and whether that means you have uh, but i'm also pretty basic i'm just like hey this is this is what choices i've made and if i wanted to you know if i wanted to make more money i could and if i wanted to choose a different lifestyle i could and i also know that there are people who are just stuck where they're at because that's what that's what they've that's what they've been exposed to and that's also though like that was the only rewarding i'll just that was the only rewarding part about being a financial advisor were for people that didn't have like the like the what cuz you got you were perfect like you had three three strong male counterparts to you that were like, look, we want to speak into your life. We want to help you understand and give you all the tools you need. Then what you do with them is up to you. And so many people haven't had it in, whether they're a a male or female, they haven't had anyone to speak into their life about that. So that was always the part when you could educate, when I could educate somebody about how to do money, it was like, wow, this is really, really cool. But yeah, I don't know that there's a, a super strong. I think there was, I mean, come through. There's something that you said, Ken, about the the engagement that you have with people in terms of, you know, vacations, what you can do, what they can do. And then <laughs> I, I think that I think we're getting into a little bit of the nitty gritty practical side. Mm. And there's a decision that's made that I want to be in relationship with you. And now we're now we're negotiating the terms of that relationship. We're negotiating our boundaries. We're negotiating <laughs> what it takes to maintain this relationship and work through this relationship so that we can continue this relationship. And and I think that that it, when it comes to our engagement with people who are in a different place, 
uh, on the socioeconomic scale. I don't want to, I mean, maybe yeah. I should say spectrum instead of scale because when we talk about up above and above, lower yeah. and those sorts of things, and that's, that's, that moves away from the equality language we want to use. But um, when we make a decision that we want to engage with someone and they want to engage with us, which I think is what we're trying to have happen at whole life, then, then we enter into that, that piece where it's a back and forth and it's, it's figuring out how we're going to maintain the relationship. No, Perfect. I, yeah, no, I, think that I love it. Summarizes it well. Wow, this did. Uh, we are we are farther in than normal before getting to the questions this <laughs> this week. Who could see? Apparently, money is a big, a big topic. Like, who could have seen that one coming? Anyway, <clears throat> hey, I, I recommended a book once a long time ago. So that's all I'm just saying. Okay, uh, Deanna asked, "How do we communicate curiosity in a way that is not perceived as patronizing?" So if I'm I'm asking. Maybe it's the question you're asking. I mean, I would most, I don't, most people probably aren't comfortable like, well, hey, how much money do you make? Because I make a bunch. I mean, that would obviously be some way to be, for it to be patronizing. But so what I'm I'm thinking the question in a curiosity about socioeconomic status, are we talking, what are we talking about? And what level of of intrusiveness too, I think, (laughs) and it depends on where you are in the relationship. If you're very close to someone, you can ask different kinds of questions than than with someone that you're not as close to. So that's that's kind of a wide open thing. So I like the question though. I think that, um, I think that it is easy at times to be patronizing in our conversations with others. Um, And so, I think that probably the first thing for us to think about is um, why am I asking this question? Am I asking it to 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 genuinely know this person because I genuinely care? And and if I am doing that, is it a, is it a question that if I were in their shoes I'd want to receive? That's a place to start. And if I and since I'm not in their shoes, could this question be interpreted differently than the way I mean it to be? Mm. Or can this conversation be interpreted in a different way? And so maybe putting a little bit of time and thought into into the way that we go about doing things and maybe also giving permission to the other person to let us know if we're being offensive or if we're saying something that that kind of hurts or rubs the wrong way. You know, that's something that I try to do in, in the relationships where, that I think that there could be some difficulty is, hey, if I'm hurting your feelings at any point, please let me know. I, you know, yeah. I know we come from very different places and so I don't know what it's like to be you and I'm suspecting you may not know what it's like to be me. And so I'd love to have a relationship of re- reciprocal respect where if I'm hurting your feelings, you'll tell me. And if you're hurting my feelings, I'll share that with you as well. And and that, by the way, it is, you know, your feelings can get hurt on either side. On either way, yeah. Either way, you can, you can. And so just speaking into that and saying, look, this may be, because we're coming from different places, this may be a difficult conversation and relationship to have, but it's one that I value and I want to have. Yeah. And so I'm going to need to know if I say something that offends you or hurts your feelings, I really like for you to, to, to speak to it. And what I'm going to pledge is if you do that, I'm going to keep my mouth shut. I'm going to listen and I'm going to not argue with you. Mm. If that's how you feel, that's how you feel. And, 
I wonder if you would do the same thing for me, that if, if you say something, I could speak to it and say, hey, that, that hurt my feelings or that, wow, did you mean this to sound this way? Because this is what I heard you say. Yeah. Uh, I, it felt like, or, you know, when you, when you talk about this stuff, um, you know what I hear? I, I'm living this way, you're living that way, and I'm hearing that it feels like you think that that kind of makes you superior or something, or it, it makes me feel pretty small. But, you know, having that open commitment, that's one of the ways that we can avoid patronizing people because I think that people genuinely don't mean to sometimes to be patronizing. They don't mean that, but that's the way it comes, it comes across. across. Yeah. And so giving somebody the permission to say, say that goes a long way because there's a lot of times and people I've thought, man, that it's really offensive, but I don't want to say anything because they'll, they'll get mad. <laughs> then I'll lose the friendship altogether. Yeah. And I'm just going to go ahead and take the up, you know, take the high road and not, you know, deal with it. But that's, that's actually pretty unhealthy in relationships to not be able to speak into it. And there's, depending on where you're at in the relationship, there's a certain amount of vulnerability or less vulnerability that you're going to have. So you have to weigh all those factors out. But I think it's a good question. And I think the question we ought, you know, people like me are not particularly great because we speak without without putting as much thought into it. But sometimes when you know you're going into a tricky situation or one where there's a high likelihood of miscommunication, it's really worth it to think about what you're going to say. And even like you said, preface it with like, you know, if we're talking, if we're, if we're going to talk about money, we both need to realize that there's landmines everywhere yeah. that, you know, like all the things you just said, like if you're upset or I say something that doesn't seem, you know, is, is not comfortable with you. Let's just, let's just realize that we're both heading in there. And this, I mean, this works on all the difficult subjects, whether it's race, culture, I was just going to say money, yeah. all those things. It's, it's just worth saying, Hey, we both may be looking at this. We may be looking at the same picture, but we may be looking at it from very different angles, yeah. which means mm -hmm. that we're going to see things differently, which doesn't make the picture different. It just means the angle we see it makes us see it different. Yeah. So let's, let's be open to that and let's be willing to have the humility to, to say that I might be wrong or I might not be seen or I'm not wrong, but I'm just not seeing it from your angle. Yeah. Maybe that mm -hmm. comes with time too. I resonated uh, as we start to wrap it up here. We got a few uh, questions and comments, but I really resonated when you said my mom was out canvassing the city. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because for us, it was my, my mom had been um, in on the recovery floor as a nurse for years and she got a promotion. She went and she was the assistant director of rehab at the largest hospital in, our, in Green Bay. And her boss had boys like three years older, two mm -hmm. years older than us. So we would get yep. all of their clothes. The good part was nobody, like none, none of our tribe knew it, right? Because they weren't friends with that exactly. with that group. So we were just like, "Oh man, where'd you get that cool T-shirt? Where'd you get the?" And they like had all like we were we were wearing tough skins, which you know you can get your <laughs> butt kicked on the on the with your you know on the bus with all the the kids that went to uh, the local high school that we rode with. But then when it's like, hey man, we got some Levi's coming in the door. Yeah, yeah I don't care if there's a patch on those or not. You automatically went up a notch, right? <laughs> so I totally resonated. And T Cinco said, "I love this. I was known as the garage sale queen when my kids were little, and we were living."
living on one pastor's salary. The sad truth is even getting hand-me-downs or shopping at yard sales is a privilege many people don't have. Yeah. My life has been incredibly blessed by people on both ends of the socioeconomic scale. I wonder if sometimes we miss those blessings because we presume we have nothing to gain from people different than us. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really appreciated, uh, well, you know, T. Sanko, you're the best, and we all know it, so let's Indeed. just let's just admit it. <laughs> Mimitsu said, I can be sitting next to a surgeon or someone from our unsheltered community, and I have amazing conversations with both, speaking of our whole life community. Yep. And when family promises our guest, it is so amazing to see their kids, my kids, and kids from volunteers of all socioeconomic levels just playing together. There's no difference. And all the parents and volunteers can learn from each each other and i think they uh, someone they followed that up uh, uh asking said young children seem to naturally coexist with others without prejudice how can we teach them to keep this kind of inclusion if they go to a school with only others in their same economic station as themselves yeah i think this was this is a question that was asked to me during first and it was a, it was a super good one and, and my suggestion is that if you have kids you intentionally um, mm. find ways to put them around kids on on, on a lot of different places yeah. on that socioeconomic continuum that and that that's what will do it when you give expose them and, and people start yeah people are people and that's that will really do it and by example too because yeah, right. you know they're describing a situation where they're spending time with the people you know family promise and the volunteers and if your kids see you spending time with lots of different people then then that that tells them that they can spend time with lots of different people too yeah and this one this one hit home in a way that just in different places in my life and and other people that I'm close to I've heard this before, and so I just wanted to uh, get your get your take on this. This one came from someone who said, there are many that live in fancy large houses, 12 bathrooms, that I would never feel comfortable in my, would never feel comfortable having in my home. How do I connect with people that get me? I don't want to be looked down on for how I live. Yeah. And so uh, there was a couple of comments that came in afterwards, and just that I would say that you know, don't assume what somebody else might think or not think, but it's also hard when you, like, if you've been to someone else's house and you're like, wow, they've got a great house. And then you're like, well, here's my little house over here. <laughs> we cleaned before you came, but it's not fancy. And I, and I know that it, that's a, like, like, I don't, I don't, I don't care what I, you can invite me over to your house if it's a mess or it's clean or it's big or it's small. And I am going to be super excited. I love to get invited to someone's home. I'll just be honest. I love it. Like, hey, want to come and play games? Hey, want to come over for lunch? Hey, we'd love to just, you know, sit outside by the fire pit and, you know, hang out. So I would say that I would hope that, and speaking just here, I would hope we someone wouldn't look down on you just because your house is, is smaller or you know, in, in, for that reason alone. But I also realize it's a little bit, it can be uncomfortable if you kind of feel like, Ooh, I don't really know this person. So maybe the, the ticket before you invite or allow yourself to be invited maybe is to have a few more of those, uh, other conversations that are a little more, like Ken said, they might be a little more risky or a little more dangerous, but. Well, and ideally that doesn't, that doesn't matter, but you know what? It doesn't have to be at somebody's house either. Let's meet for a picnic in the park. Let's go for a walk by the river. Let's do, there are lots of things that you can do 
that um, that don't involve necessarily having yeah. someone into your space. What if, well, and what if you have a really great time doing that? Yeah. Right. Because then if you're in a neutral spot, that kind of takes a little bit of the edge off. Like, wow, this person is just like normal or just like me without any of the other things to yeah. go along. I think that I, I, I know exactly that feeling, though, of, of thinking, <laughs> oh, man, you know, I've, you know, it, it, and I also know the feeling of having people that I genuinely care about that won't have me over because they're somehow embarrassed because they are embarrassed. They're like, well, you know, it's, and logistically I understand that. Like sometimes it's just uncomfortable and it's like, well, you know, there's, you know, it's, you know, I only have, you know, I only have a certain amount of silverware and it's not going to be enough to accommodate everybody that's coming over or whatever. That stuff, you know, that, that, that can be difficult. But one of the things I know is that I think that it, the funny thing is that for me, I I would hate to think that any of my friends wanted to have me, would like to have me at their house, but they're embarrassed because it's not enough for what they think I would need. Because I, if, if you're somebody I care about and you want me at your home, man, I'm honored to be there. And yet I also know what it feels like <laughs> to not want to have somebody over to my house because I'm like, oh, my word, this is like, <laughs> this is like, you know, this is my house fits in your foyer. I mean, what, what do I, <laughs> yeah. you know, what do I do here? And, I, I, um, so I, I understand that. And I've, and it's one of the things that I've, Rashawn and I have tried to work on a little bit in our life is just be like, you know what, just because the house is not that doesn't mean that person doesn't value coming over and having a meal with me and, yeah. and doesn't because ostensibly they're coming, not because of my house, but because of me. Um, yeah. But to Melanie's point, there are so many uh, pastors. We, it used to be that when I began pastoral ministry and, and long before that, it was a big deal that as pastors, you went and visited people in their homes. That was a really big yeah. deal. And, you know, I knew pastors that would like try to, map a schedule of how they're going to hit every church member's house in a year. And and that works when you're in a small or medium church, a little harder when you've got 1200 members, <laughs> you know, that's how many a, is that a day? Kid? Uh, <laughs> uh, I can tell you it's uh, it's, it doesn't work <laughs> real well. Um, and it, that's, but the point is one of the things I've discovered is that people, people will meet you at McDonald's f for a milkshake or they'll, um, you know, and that's one of the reasons why I've been really grateful to the way that whole life does things. Because when I'm wanting to get to know people, one of the first things I say, "Hey, let's go, let's go grab a meal. Let's go do some. You know, grab that. I'm going to treat my treat. So it doesn't matter where I think you are on the socio. You know, I'm happy for it to be my treat. Um, and that way, it takes the pressure off. First time we hung out, yeah, Ken paid, and I got to pick where we ate. Yeah. And Same here. Yeah, we wow. had, we ate at Jimmy Hula's in Altamont, and it created. But you know what? We I, ate the, at Chewy's in Nashville. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. Chewy's sounds Is good. Is that where really? That's yeah, what we did. Yeah, okay, Chewy's that's in right. Nashville. That's right. Yeah. So, hmm. um, and I'm a big believer that food brings people together yeah. in a spiritual way. I don't ask me why, but you just see it throughout the Bible that when people eat together, 
it creates connection and bonding. Yeah. And so for me, that's one of the reasons I like to do that. And, um, but, you know, find, find what is comfortable for you. Um, maybe it's, you know, a Saturday afternoon walk at a park, um, no cost, just show up. Everybody walks mm-hmm. into the park. Maybe it's, you know, you know, maybe you have tennis courts near where you live that you have privileges to, to get in. So, you know, you know, that other person likes playing, just say that, you know, this is something that Tim, uh, that Melanie's husband and I would do together is that, uh, Tim think, think at the time, I'm trying to remember if he had, I don't, one of us had tennis courts, but anyway, the point is that we started playing tennis together. It was just a commonality that we have. And mm. it was something that we both enjoy. And we found some public courts that worked for us. And that's what we started doing. Um, but there was also a time Tim, Tim enjoys some indoor tennis. And I remember him saying, Hey, let's go do this. And I don't know if he had a membership or something. He just, he took me to do that. And it was, it was fun. We had a good time doing that. But the, the point is just find something that works for you. Yeah. And don't assume that the other person doesn't want to have a connection. And some people will let you know that they don't want to make the connection. They just will. And what I tell you on that is if they don't want to make the connection, no amount of no yeah. amount of forcing will make it happen. Those and, aren't your people. And we're sorry yeah. if it we're really sorry if that happens to you repeatedly <laughs> at you know, from people here at the church. Um but and but that would be one of the things I'd urge you as many of you are listening who are a part of the whole life family is be aware of the people that are trying to make a connection with you. And I'm not saying that you have to be friends with everybody who wants to be friends with you. What I am saying is give them the dignity of being human about things and being, you know, what's the, uh, what's the ground rules at staff? What's the uh, intent? uh, We're going to assume Good intent. Good intent. Thing. Yeah. yeah like, that, 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 that goes so far. And just even because it, it doesn't cost you anything to walk away, even if, like you said, they don't want to be your friend. Just assume there's a reason you don't understand and just think the best. I, that's, I mean, I, that is hard to do. I, I'm not it trivializing is. that. But also, like, that's one of the things I think in my personal growth that's been the most rewarding is to not assume. That even if I have pretty good idea that someone is just like, well, that jerk, I don't want to be his friend or, you know, whatever the situation, just be like, look, it didn't work out. I don't know why. And just let it be. And maybe there's a, and maybe there's room for that to grow later. Yeah. And and just, it, but yeah. And I think that works until you've tried about everybody around you and you're still not making any connections and you feel really frustrated about that. And, and again, I've been in those communities where that happened, where I th- felt like I went through everybody or a family member of mine felt like they'd tried everybody and there was just nobody interested in being making a connection or being friends or whatever. And it, it was one of the hard things of learning in life was that at that point we had to figure out a new community Yeah, because once I've been through the list twice, yeah, you can't, and, you know, I'm not going to be able to make anybody be friends with me. So if that's the case, I need to find a community where I, or hopefully I can find that. And, you know, like I said, I hope my, my dream is that whole life is the place where everybody, everybody can find somebody that they can connect with and that they're, that can kind of become their, their small community that, that, that is a part of the larger community. Um, 
realistically speaking, man, I've just talked to a couple of people who, who are struggling yeah. and, and I, I keep praying about it and praying that, that, that right thing comes along. And, you know, that's one of the things is that there's, there's people that you want to be friends with, but their Lego block is already full, Yeah, you know, and it's not that they hate you. It's just that, or that they're not, it's just, there's only so much space in, in, and that's one of the things to also keep in mind for those of us in that analogy is, you know, is there enough space on your Lego block or are you genuinely out of space? Is there, yeah. are you open to making new friends or you genuinely don't have the space or the room to, to do it? Because I think there is a time where you legitimately don't have space, but I think there's often times where there's maybe a little bit more margin than we are willing to admit. And so, especially here in Central Florida, a lot of people yeah. move on, be, not because of whatever you know. Jobs take them different places. With the hospital being here, there's a lot of turnover in who you can see, and and uh, but sometimes it's when it's those legacy people are like, man, it would be cool if I could be friends with them. They're like, man, I have got two Lego blocks, <laughs> and they are jammed <laughs> to the. You to know the what's gill. so cool though? Is we started this whole conversation about how all of these new people are coming into whole life and how we're going to need more seats, and I think that that's. Yeah. I mean, it, this yeah. is not a stagnant pond that we oh, have here. We no. have new people. People coming in all the time, and that means new opportunities for new, new opportunities. relationships. I like that. Keep your eyes open and your ears and open. Communicate. Mm-hmm. communicate. And communicate with an open heart. This is what I need out of a relationship. This is what I. This is what I'm looking for. Because sometimes people don't know. Yeah. Sometimes it's it's you know, hey, I'd like I'd like a friendship where you know I could be coming over to your house once a week and playing games and hanging out. And then there's other people who's like, Hey, if I ran into you and we did something once every three months, that would be plenty. That'd that would be, awesome. be yeah. that'd be great. Um, and those are, those are sometimes some of the best friends because you don't see them. And after a while you're like, wow, these are like, those are kind of your forever super friends. low maintenance friends. Yeah. Sometimes you need some of those too. <laughs> and, but it's also really nice. To, it's also really it nice is. to just have those friends that, you know, it doesn't matter what condition your house is in. They drop in. You're like, Hey family, welcome. I just drove over to Melanie's one day and just went in the garage. The door was open. I just went in and just, you know, left some stuff, left some goodies for her just because I felt like, hey, I just why want not? you to know that uh, I'm going to be leaving my, I'm going to be leaving my garage left door open. open. If the garage was, uh, was, uh, you know, cleaned out and whatever else when I came back, that would That'd be, be okay. awesome. Uh, you, yeah. If you would just sweep on the way out is all I'm asking. You don't for. even have to sweep if you just organized. <laughs> funny thing um, was after he left I called him and asked him to, to come back, back. <laughs> I shut my garage door why was the I door was open gone. I was like oh I thought you were there I just didn't want to I didn't want to disturb so I just was like sneak in and when I took a picture like hey there's some treats for you in the garage and I was like uh, why is my garage door open? How'd you get in? Am I the only person who like turns around at least once a month to go back to their house to see if they close the garage door because they get three minutes down the road and you're like because that's like one of my nightmares, leaving that garage door open. Oh, and I had to unplug mine because every time my neighbor comes home, he opens and closes door? it. <laughs> yeah, she's like, find a ladder. It's over in the corner. That was, you guys yes. hadn't even moved in yet. And can you just yes. climb up on the ladder and pull the yeah. cord out of the ceiling yeah. so they don't come in? Yeah, I don't know uh, if I ever thanked you for that properly. No. So thank you, Randy, for that doing was that. A nice, it was a beautiful <laughs> night to be on the Harley is all I'm going to say. So it was just a little extra, extra, few extra miles that were just perfect. So no. I, I and I I mean I really hope people find those because life is so much better when you have some friends that will you know you get the invite out of the blue or I mean and I'm just one of those people that enjoys like 
who's knocking on my front door? Oh, we were in the neighborhood. You guys want to go grab something to eat or, you know, whatever. Oh, hey, we were just sitting down. I can't tell you. Like, we're just sitting down to eat. You want to, we got more. You want to come in? Have you know? You're so funny, Randy. It's so those. funny how our personalities are different. I am not that person. <laughs> if, like, if you're in the neighborhood and you knock on my door, anxiety uh. takes over. All right. Note to self: Randy's writing down. Do not stop at Ken's unannounced. Just, just, Ken will be the, crawling if, across if the, gr- the floor if with the, the lights. If out. the garage door is open, <laughs> I can see Ken doing the military crawl over to the bedroom. I've Don't seen go. Ken do that. Go back. <laughs> Rochelle, go back. Go back. Don't come out. Don't come out. Don't come out. Oh, don't worry. She's hiding under the bed with me. We'll text first, Ken. We'll text first. Well, I I hope that today we've at least, you know, we've we've gone through a ton of different uh, scenarios. And and I don't think there's a one-size-fits-all for anything. But I do also hope that, you know, like Melanie just said, we have a lot of people come every week. And you see new faces all the time. And sometimes that's hard, especially if you've been through, you know, a handful already or more that you're like, man, I'm just not making a connection. But also, if you're not making a connection, um, you know, if you see me in the lobby, stop and say hello. Um, If you're a coffee drinker, come on up to my office. I'll make you a nice, really good cup of coffee and we'll, we'll talk and we'll hang out. And I just, I, I love to, I love to meet new people. That's part of not just my comfort zone. That's just part of who I am. And so, um, you know, stop by and say hello. And maybe I know someone that you don't know that could also be a connection. You know, we can help each other that way. Cool. So that's cool. Next week, are we heavy again or are we going to? I don't know. It's up to Freud. Oh, that's right. Freud's talking about connecting across cultural, um, across culture. And so I don't know. I really wanted to do it, but, you know. I also wanted to go hang out with my son this weekend, uh, so he's. And uh, also, I, I this doesn't happen very often, Ken, but he's more qualified than you are to speak. Oh, it happens right? all the time. <laughs> I just monopolize the pulpit anyway. It's, there's plenty of people who are more qualified on almost everything I talk about. Freud has uh, has all the all the cultural experience. He does. Yeah, born does. in what, born in Brazil, raised in Portugal, Portugal. educated in France, France worked in Switzerland, Switzerland, worked in the United States. So. He knows something about he culture. He knows a little, little, and he different knows a little cultures. something. something. Yeah. Now, if you, uh, whether you are going to be with us in person or whether you are watching from afar as one of our online family members, don't miss out on, on Freud because last time he had a great message and I'm looking forward to hearing him again. And what, what, what's this? What's, oh, it's in. The, and there's yeah. also, it's worth uh, saying that there's going to be a little bit of an announcement with Freud. Hmm. Oh, that's right. Hmm. I heard we're working on something. Hmm. I probably should have dubbed. Deep in that maybe. A good announcement, not it's, a bad no, That's a good idea. Don't let them hang and be like, hey, yeah. start getting text messages right away. No, be a good <laughs> announcement. And then, like a week or two after that, we've got another big announcement coming up. Another brewing. one. Yeah, I would say actually probably the week. Like, There'll be the week yeah, following. Yeah, the, the week following. And then the week following that, that, the big announcement will be doing it. Anyway, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. Gonna and be- then, like, if you can imagine this, folks, right after that, it's going to be like, hey, in two weeks, 
church retreat. Church retreat. Have you, yeah. you know, wholelife.church slash church retreat. I think Easter happens wow. first. Oh, do we have to get to Easter? Well, you know, it'll be, oh, that's right, because it's yeah. in April this year. My bad. That'd be like a month away. But then it'll be Easter, and then after Easter, <laughs> you're going to be like, holy cow, it is church retreat, and I haven't done my I am exhausted due already. diligence. I know, just thinking about it, making me a little tired. Everybody needs no, to pray for awesome. Melanie for the next be couple of weeks, because she's going to be digging into her... <laughs> Revisions so, to her oh, dissertation, right? Yes, so next that's week, right. Gonna, I will not be here next week. No, we're going to give Freud your mic- is going to be here, that's right? right. Yeah. We'll give the microphone to Freud. He's going to hate that. Oh, he'll love it. He'll last, love it. Last he'll time, love he, it. last time he fought me tooth and nail. I had to drag him in here, but yeah, but right. that was that was just You're, his initiation. You and I yeah. can tag team him if we that's have if to. we need to. Yeah, we'll have to. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Freud, if you're listening. <laughs> But I'm get, pre- not, but not get prepared. Get prepared. Next week, it's on. So awesome. Well, that's it for this week, guys. Thank you so much. And if you have anything you'd like to add or subtract, well, you can't subtract it, but you can add to it. You can disagree with it. You can comment on it. 407-965-1607 or podcast at wholelife.church. Thanks for listening and have a great week.